Good morning. Greetings in Jesus' name this morning. Uh, we need everybody. I, I enjoyed the worship service in the Sunday school. We need everybody. And uh, we need to learn from some younger people sometimes. One of the uh, one of the things that I've appreciated about my one of our younger pastors at uh, Bethesda is that when he gets up to preach, he uh, thanks God for the privilege of uh, of being able to uh, to do this, of of being allowed to handle God's word, and uh, that has impressed me. I enjoy listening to Jeff's preaching. <clears throat> Now this morning, I generally, I generally start out with a story. I like to do that. And I want to do that again this morning. But uh, uh, the passage of scripture that I've chosen to use is a story by itself. And so I'm going to tell you that story. Uh, and uh, you can turn to the book of Jonah for the message this morning. <clears throat> Now, uh, Jonah uh, is a pretty special uh, person, I think. Uh, I've entitled my message, the, uh, the Reluctant Evangelist. Uh, and, of course, you will understand where that uh, thought comes from. But uh, maybe uh, a, a uh, little bit of historical background for Jonah. Jonah was preaching somewhere around uh, 850 years before Christ. And uh, he, he was, uh, he went and preached to Nineveh finally. And... Uh, for 200, almost 250 years after that, uh, Nineveh continued as a great city. Now, uh, Jonah's message was uh, Nineveh is going to be destroyed, being overthrown, and yet uh, it lasted for another 250 years. And that was probably quite largely because of that reluctant evangelist's message for the people of Nineveh. One more thing, uh, Jonah kind of appears uh, to many of us, uh, the book here, kind of out of the blue, but uh, that's not the first uh, notice that we have of Jonah in the Bible. If you would look at uh, 2 Kings 14.25, uh, you would find that Jonah had prophesied in Israel before. And it also tells us that he was from a town of gath Hefer, I think is the name of it. Uh, and it was close to Nineveh. So that's where he was from. Now, the story. Let me read uh, here a couple of verses and, and then I'll uh, tell the story and read a few verses as I go along. Verse 1 says, The word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, 
that great city and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. They, they were a wicked city and uh, uh, Jonah, Jonah knew about Nineveh. Jonah wasn't a dummy. Uh, Jonah knew what was going on in the, in the world in general around him and uh, he didn't want to go to Nineveh and preach. Uh, it says he uh, rose up to flee to Tarshish. Now, uh, I uh, did a little calculating and I measured with my uh, uh, ruler on the map and uh, uh, he was headed for 2,000 miles away from here. Uh, but but uh, it says he rose to flee from the presence of the Lord. And uh, of course that's something that you don't do. You can't do that. But, but anyway, he tried. And so uh, the Lord sent that wind to the ship. Jonah went down to uh, Joppa and he got down into the boat and, and he headed out and, and the Lord sent the wind. And it was a real wind and the, the sailors got scared and they started throwing things overboard to lighten the ship. It was, uh, it was a bad storm. And uh, the uh, captain of the ship uh, found Jonah sleeping down in the bottom. And how, how could he sleep in a storm like that? I don't know, but uh, the captain said, uh, get up and call on God. And... Uh, don't just lie there and sleep. And so they, they tried hard to get the thing under control. And finally the sailors said, uh, let's cast lots and find out why we're having this problem. And so they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And so they called him and said, uh, uh, where are you from and, and what's going on? How come this is happening to us? Jonah said, I'm a Hebrew and I serve the the God that made everything. And then he told them uh, that he was run, trying to run away from God and that uh, he was uh, not wanting to do what God wanted him to do. And, and uh, so they wondered, well, what shall we do to you that, uh, so that the sea will settle down for us? <laughs> Well, Jonah, Jonah knew that uh, he was running away from God, and that's why God sent the storm. Well, uh, Jonah said, throw me overboard. Just throw me in the sea, and uh, things will calm down for you. But they didn't want to do that. They, they must have had some, uh, they must have had some, uh, a little bit of integrity and a little bit of, uh, uh, common sense, and, and they, they said, we don't want to be uh, guilty of this man's life. And they did their best to get this ship out of the storm, but they couldn't. And finally they said, God, don't, don't hold us responsible for this man's death. Don't uh, bring his blood on us. And they threw him overboard. And right away, the storm calmed down. And those men, uh, it says they f feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. It had an effect on them. 
And then verse 17 of chapter 1 says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish. And uh, a number of times in the book of Jonah, it talks about the Lord having prepared. And so he, uh, he, he had this fish ready to swallow Jonah. He was ready for him. And, and the fish swallowed Jonah. And Jonah was in that fish for three days. Now, uh, don't tell me it's not possible. When, when God does something, it's possible, okay? When he's involved, uh, it's possible. And uh, Jesus in the New Testament called it a whale. And uh, some people say, well, uh, a whale can't swallow anything big like that. And, uh, and I'm not trying to uh, explain all that. All I know is that a big fish swallowed Jonah and he was in there for three days and he was alive and, and, uh, and he got the message that uh, he'd, better, he'd better do what God says. And, and he cried out to God there in that uh, fish belly and uh, he said uh, in verse 9 of chapter 2, I will sacrifice unto thee and I will pay that that I have vowed. So, uh, and, and God heard him. God always hears when people cry. And it says in verse 10 of chapter 2, And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah up on the dry land. <laughs> uh, that was a special fish, and it was doing what God wanted it to do. So now we come to chapter 3, and, uh, and God spoke again and this I'll read the uh, uh, first three verses here and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time saying arise go unto Nineveh that great city and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee so Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord now uh, Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days journey and uh, I, I did some research about the city and so on and uh, one of the commentators that I read or one of the people that thought they knew uh, said that uh, the, the suburbs from the south edge of uh, the metropolitan area uh, to the northern suburbs on the north edge of the metropolitan area was uh, approximately that three days journey and, and there's some difference of opinion there and, and difference, uh, there's room for difference, okay? But uh, Jonah walked into the city for a day's journey and where he was at in the city, I suppose he would have been uh, getting somewhere close to the center, but and he began to preach, or maybe he was preaching while he was walking. And I don't know what Jonah said, but it had its effect. Uh, he must have been a powerful speaker. He got people's attention, and uh, and when he told them that this city is going to be destroyed, they they took it to heart. They got the message that God wanted them to get. And uh, verse 5 says, The people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth 
from the greatest of them to the least of them. Even the king, the king got the word and, and uh, he, he proclaimed uh, the, uh, made the rule, the law, the, uh, that uh, everybody is supposed to stop doing the bad things that they were doing and the violence that they were doing and repent, and they did. The, the city got the message. And of course, uh, God knew that beforehand. God, God knew that they would repent from, from Jonah's preaching. He knew who Jonah was and how he could preach, I suppose. And, and, uh, and God saw their works, it says in verse 10, they, that they turned from their evil way and God repented. That's not the same as people repenting. The, the, the meaning more is that God relented of what he said he was going to do, and, and he didn't do it. He didn't destroy Nineveh. Now, uh, chapter 4, then, uh, begins uh, with uh, Jonah's attitude. <laughs> it di displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. <laughs> my goodness. An evangelist preaching God's message and people respond, and, and the man is uh, sorry. And uh, God said, uh, doest thou well to be angry? <laughs> Jonah, uh, is it good for you to be angry because, uh, because I did that? Jonah was, Jonah was angry at God. Then it says uh, in verse 5 and 6 and following, So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. Now, uh, uh, the, the Bible doesn't give us, the, the story isn't... Uh, that specific about the time here. Uh, but, but Jonah, being a man with eyes and ears and, and uh, an intelligent person, uh, I, I know he did uh, have that bad attitude toward uh, and, and Nineveh and so on, but, but he could see what was going on in the city. Now it may not have been uh, but just a couple days after he started preaching until he knew that, that the city had repented. He could see that. Uh, he wasn't dumb. And, and when he saw that the people had repented, he knew what God would do. He knew enough about God. He said, uh, I knew thee that thou art gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. <laughs> He knew what would happen when they repented. And that, that's what displeased him. 
So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side and made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become this booth. Now, uh, there was uh, the, the uh, Israelites were supposed to have a, a feast of, uh, where they made booths and they were supposed to get tree branches and uh, set them up and, and live in them, in those booths for however long. And so I get, the, I get the impression here that Jonah probably got some tree branches and uh, probably had leaves on them and he set them up so that uh, he could get under it in the shade and, and he waited to see what would happen. And it may, not, it may not have been 40 days yet, okay? And he might have been waiting till the 40 days were over to see what God would do. And, and then God made that gourd come up. Uh, probably the leaves soon withered on, that, in that, uh, on the limbs of those uh, trees that he used to make that booth, and the sun was probably coming down through it anyway. And, and then this gourd comes up and goes up over top of that thing, and, and uh, you think of, uh, you think of uh, how a squash vine uh, covers the ground, the leaves cover it, and I think of this gourd going up over top of that uh, booth of Jonah's and the leaves making a perfect shade for him, and, and there he sat, and boy, he enjoyed it. Yeah, that was uh, wonderful, that shade. And uh, during the night, the next night, uh, it says God prepared the gourd, and then he prepared a worm. And the worm took care of the, I don't know, I get the idea of a cut worm maybe that uh, cut that thing off from its roots and it withered. And, and then God uh, prepared scent or whatever this east wind. God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. And once again, God says, doest thou well to be angry? Jonah, is it good for you to get angry with me? For the gourd? <laughs> well, uh, Jonah enjoyed the gourd and, and now it was gone and, and the sun was beating on him. And Then God said, Look, Jonah, you, uh, you thought that gourd was nice and you hated to see it die. In this city of Nineveh, he said, there are 120,000 people that don't know their right from their left hand. And I suppose he was talking about children that weren't old enough to know that yet. 120,000 children, besides all the cattle, these children weren't responsible. They hadn't reached the age of accountability. They were not responsible for, for uh, and uh, cattle, they can't sin. And, and uh, God didn't say anything about the adults. There might have been a million people here that uh, were involved. And God is uh, just what Jonah said he was. He's gracious and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness. And he relents from doing evil after people repent. 
He, he is that kind of a God. <clears throat> uh, did Jonah get the message? I'll, maybe I'll talk a little about that a little later, but let's see what, we can, what lessons we can get from the book of Jonah here. Now, uh, uh, we, know, uh, we know some things about God. God created man. He created mankind. And why did he create us? Now, uh, my personal opinion is, and, and I think that uh, is uh, borne out in the scripture from one end to the other pretty much, God created man for fellowship with himself. That's why he created, uh, Revelation chapter 4 says uh, that he crea uh, created things for his own pleasure. And, and I think mankind, mankind was the crowning point of God's creation. And he created us for fellowship with him. Uh, those beautiful verses in John 3, 16 and 17 <clears throat> for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Now uh, the word world there used four times in those two, two verses. Uh, he's not talking about uh, the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains and the, and the uh, grand uh, scenery of uh, Yosemite National Park and the Niagara Falls. When he's talking about the world in those uh, two verses, he's talking about the people. When he says uh, the world, he means us, mankind. So, so God's attitude, God uh, has special love, okay, for those people who repent and turn to him. But God loves the world. That means uh, the sinners as well as the saints. And, he, and he's working for, uh, to bring people to him. He's working to have fellowship with the people of this world. So uh, when uh, God sees these people in Nineveh repent, I think it brings joy to his heart. And, and uh, I, I think he just, uh, Jonah, I wish you could see that. <clears throat> now it's, uh, it's right. Jonah, Jonah loved uh, the Israelites, but he couldn't see how in the world God could love Nineveh. They were a threat to uh, his, his country. How could, how could God do this? One of the things we can learn here, it, it's right for us to love each other, okay? Uh, the Bible teaches us and the Sunday school lesson taught us and, and we know that it's right to love our own, our families and so on. <clears throat> Those that love us, 
It is like God to uh, love our enemies. And he taught us to do that. He told us to do that. That's lesson number one. God loves his creation. Every one of the eight billion that's on the earth today. God is working for the salvation of as many as he can. I, uh, it, uh, it thrills my heart to uh, think of, of the number of Christians that there are in the world today. Uh, I know that uh, a lot of the people who uh, pretend to be Christians, who uh, are called Christians and so on, are not uh, born again by the blood of Jesus Christ don't have a living relationship with Christ, but there are a lot that do, okay? And I, I, I don't know how many, nobody knows that except God, but he knows. And, but God loves every person in this world. That's, that's lesson number one. Number two, you can't run away from God. Jonah tried, and he soon found out that it can't be done. It's no use to try. Uh, Psalm, uh, Psalm 139 uh, tells of where all God is. <laughs> and uh, even the dark doesn't hide us from God. And <clears throat> There's no place that a man can be that God isn't, okay? There's that uh, funny story, and I think it's just a story probably of uh, the uh, old uh, atheist who meets the boy going or coming from Sunday school and uh, he stops him and, and he says, son, if, uh, if you tell me, if you can tell me where God is, I'll give you a quarter. And the boy said, mister, if you can tell me where God isn't, I'll give you a dollar. <laughs> Well, uh, God is everywhere. You can't run away from God. Have you ever tried it? Have you tried running away from God? Uh, and, and your conscience followed you right there. God followed you right there. I, I know what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I suppose I've done my share of that. But it can't be done. I, I might have told you the story before of uh, Lori Caldwell, but it bears uh, repeating. Uh, we moved from uh, Weir's Cave down to where we live now, down north of Timberville in Shenandoah County, and started going to Crossroads to church and uh, met a man in the Crossroads congregation by the name of Lori Caldwell. Uh, Lori wasn't the most intelligent person. He was, uh, he was not a brick short. He, he was all right, but uh, he was a humble man, a powerfully built man. But uh, 
there, there were a lot of stories connected with Lori. Lori had been a very wicked man in his youth. He had fought with his brother in a drunken brawl and his brother told him that he had broken a knife blade off in Lori's arm and Lori didn't know whether it was true or not. He had a cut in his arm. And years later, uh, on the other side of his uh, muscular arm, uh, there was a lump appeared and uh, he went to the doctor and a doctor took a piece of knife blade two inches long out of his arm. That was the kind of life Lori lived as a boy. And uh, there was a man in the, Bethes in the uh, Crossroads Church that uh, would go to visit Lori and uh, invite him to church and Lori hated to see the man come. He, uh, he didn't want anything to do with Christianity, but, but finally he, uh, the man's persistence paid off and he went to church. And he was, uh, maybe it was at a revival meeting and the preacher was preaching. And uh, he'd had children's meeting and he had a bag full of things that he'd pick things out and uh, talk to the children about them. and, and uh, one of the things was uh, cigarettes and and while the preacher was preaching uh, Lori got up out of his seat he couldn't sit still any longer and he walked to the front of the church and laid that pack of cigarettes on the pulpit and Lori meant business with God and he was faithful to God until he died he had some struggles over the years, but yeah, he was done running away from God. <laughs> he was uh, he was a real dear brother. Number three, when a nation or a people becomes extremely wicked, God sees what's going on. He knows what's happening. Uh, you remember the story of Sodom. Uh, God uh, visited Abram and told him, uh, Abraham, uh, you know, uh, I've heard that they're terribly wicked. It's come up to me and, and I'm sending my people down there to see whether everything is like it was said to be. And, uh, and I'm going to destroy the city if it's as bad as, uh, as we think it is. And of course, God knew what was going to happen. I think probably those men were sent, those angels, to get Lot out of there. But God knew. And uh, God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. He destroyed those cities. And uh, it wonders me about Nineveh. Uh, did did uh, Nineveh wonder whether God said he would overthrow the city and uh, there's no specifics given as to how it would happen. Did they wonder whether there was going to be fire from heaven like there was at Sodom? Did they know anything about Sodom? We don't know that. Maybe Jonah told them. But, but God notices it when people get wicked, when a country or nation gets wicked. 
Now, uh, we see the perversion that's around us and, and uh, makes us think of Sodom, but, but here's uh, what I think. The lesson is for us to uh, love like God loves. The perversion is all around us, uh, but let's not try to be uh, in God's place and decide when it's going to happen. Now, if God tells somebody that uh, in uh, 12 years, uh, the U.S. will be destroyed, uh, that's God's business. Our business, though, is to love people like God loves them. That's the lesson that we can get from jo the book of Jonah. The people around us are wicked. This, this country is wicked, okay? And we have an obligation. And it's not uh, to uh, get angry at God. Our obligation is to love people the way God loves them. Number four, uh, God is in control, okay? Uh, you can read through the book of Jonah and you can see that, that God was in control every step of the way. He knew what was going on uh, and, and uh, God has weapons and ways and means that you and I can't even dream about. Uh, we. To have a fish swallow a man and, and keep him alive for three days? Uh, well, we don't do things like that. But, but, but that's God, okay? God can do it. And God does do it. And so, uh, uh, what does that mean to us? It means that uh, to us, the same thing that it meant in Jonah's time. God is in control. He has everything under, it's, it's uh, under his control. He, we don't, we can trust God no matter what situation we're facing right in front of us. God is in control. And he always will be. And, uh, those beautiful scriptures like Romans 8, 28, <laughs> all things work together for those that love God. Those were the call according to his purpose. Yeah. Uh, we don't have to worry about uh, the sea rolling and uh, thrashing and the people around us being perverted and until it's uh, almost unbelievable. God is in control. Trust him. That's lesson number four from the book. Number five, God's servant must uh, preach where God sends him. He told Jonah, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach. And then in... Uh, Chapter 3 and verse 2, he says, uh, tell them what I want, to, want you to tell them. You tell them what I say. Now, uh, so uh, that's, uh, 
That's my orders too. It's Evan's orders. It's, uh, it's all ordained men's orders, but it doesn't stop there. Remember, uh, remember when the church uh, in Acts was scattered over the persecution of Stephen? Remember what it says about him? What did they do? Somebody tell me. They went everywhere preaching. Evan said it right. You think it was just the ordained men? Except the apostles. Okay. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the, the main preachers, the apostles, didn't go, Evan says. <laughs> they stayed in Jerusalem. But my point is, this, uh, this to, to go and... and uh, go where God sends us and to say what God wants us to say is not just for preachers. That's our, that's our job. It's for all of God's people. Number six. God's mercy and compassion and love, like all of uh, God's attributes, those things are uh, boundless, limitless. <laughs> uh, Jonah knew something. He knew some about God. I know some about God. You know some about God. But in reality, God is incomprehensible. We don't know everything about God. We know some things about God. And the, the more we know, and, and the better we know, uh, probably the better we can serve him and, and the better we can love him. And so uh, let's learn all we can about God. But, but we will never exhaust what God is. A.W. Tozer says, if we could uh, uh, understand God completely, we'd be God. And, and uh, there's some truth to that, I think. God is incomprehensible, okay? He's so far above us that we'll never get... I, I'm preaching to you uh, the book of Jonah, but I'm not exhausting the book of Jonah, okay? And somebody can preach next Sunday and, and they can get you a whole lot more out of Jonah than probably than I can. When the Bible says that uh, God repented, uh, relent is a better word, I already mentioned that. Uh, <clears throat> It was for Nineveh and also for that, uh, this uh, mercy and this compassion and this love. That was for Nineveh. That mercy and compassion and love was also for that reluctant evangelist. Uh, God put up with... Uh, some mighty bad attitudes in Jonah. And uh, he's put up some things with me too. 
and with you too. <clears throat> it is for us from God and uh, if it's uh, for us from God then it's uh, from us to each other and to all the people around us. They ought to be able to see and sense and know what God is like by, by what we are like. And uh, when we fail to, to do the things that we ought to do, we're, uh, we're doing God a terrible disservice, doing the church a terrible disservice. <clears throat> Number seven, uh, it's extremely foolish to get angry at God. <laughs> uh, twice, uh, God said, do you, do you uh, do well to be angry, Jonah? And uh, Jonah replied the second time, uh, uh, yes, I, I, it's right for me to be angry, uh, angry enough to die. Jonah didn't know what he was talking about. <clears throat> it's, uh, it's never right to be angry at God. God has a perspective that you and I don't have. God had a perspective of uh, what was going on there at Nineveh that, that J Jonah didn't have. Uh, Jonah missed it. And uh, <clears throat> that's, uh, that's true always that God has a perspective we don't have. But, but uh, we, know, we can know better than to get angry at God. And, uh, and we, can get, uh, we can also know better than to get angry at our fellow man and, uh, and keep that anger. Uh, Paul, writing to the Ephesians, said, get over it by sundown. And that's good advice. Get over it before it gets out of hand in your life. had a neighbor that uh, was angry at God. He had a, uh, had a brother that died as a young man in an auto accident. And uh, this, uh, this neighbor thought that uh, God was unfair to l take this man's life in his youth. God is blamed for things that God didn't do, okay? Uh, a lot of times the devil's involved in things like that. <clears throat> and uh, sin is involved and all that. And uh, whenever, uh, whenever we get angry, and especially if people get angry at God, they'd better realize that God has a view that they don't have. We can't see things from God's perspective. The only way we can have uh, God's perspective of things is through the Holy Spirit living within us. And so, uh, if we get angry at anybody or for anything, get over it before it causes you some real trouble. <clears throat> <clears throat> 
Now, in conclusion, <clears throat> did, uh, did Jonah get the message? <laughs> I think he did. Uh, we aren't told who wrote the book of Jonah, but I suspect Jonah wrote the book, okay? I, I think probably that's right. And, and uh, if, if you think about how he pictured himself in the book, uh, you know that he got the message. If he didn't write the book, he gave somebody else the message clearly. And he wasn't glossing over Jonah. And so, uh, yeah, I think Jonah got the message. I think he did. And I'll leave you with that. Shall we have a song? <clears throat>